It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP podcast time. It's Talk LP podcast time. Amber Bradley, your host. Really excited about our special guest today, Oscar Arengo from Target, Vice President of Asset Protection. Thank you so much for joining us in the Talk LP podcast hot seat. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having me. I'm excited uh, to chat with you today. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So um, we've got a lot to get through, a lot of burning questions from the audience too. Okay. So let's just start out with those that may not know you, your background in loss prevention. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to date myself, but I've, I've been in loss prevention for a little over 30 years and first job out of high school uh, catching shoplifters. I was working for uh, Kmart at the time. And, um, you know, I had fully intended to go um, and study criminal justice, which I was in at the time and, and become a police officer. I'm originally from Chicago. So that's where, so that's where I was in school. And, but I started working at the same time. And the more that I worked there, I enjoyed it. And I, I kind of, you know, I had this awesome leader that uh, really got me interested in kind of like just leadership in general and so the more that I grew within um, Kmart and then, you know, I worked at a few other retailers, um, my mind started to shift and on what I wanted to do, right? And there was this moment in my career where there was an opportunity presented to me to be a Chicago police officer. And I was at this crossroads of like, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I was doing multi-store at the time, still very young. Um, and then here's my, what I thought was my dream job offering me a job. And I kind of sat down and thought, thought about it. And, you know, I, I was obviously uh, younger and probably more, not probably, I was more immature at the time. And the, the job I was in was paying more than to be an entry-level police officer. And I wouldn't have to work midnights and, you know, I, I wouldn't have to get shot at or anything. And so I kind of made the decision. I was like, I think I'm going to stick with this leadership thing. I kind of like it, right? And so um, throughout my journey, I did specialty retail, you know, as a regional manager for a couple of different companies, traveled the country and got exposure to um, the U.S., right? And then um, I got to this point in my career where um, I had been moving around. And, you know, we all know that with specialty retail, there's not as many layers and, you know, uh, growth opportunities. And so that's where Target came into the picture 17 years ago. And um, I applied for a district position with them in Chicago. And they decided to offer me a single store um, role. And that was another kind of pivotal decision for me because I was traveling a ton. I was kind of like my own boss. I had a, you know, I had a boss, but um, I traveled when I needed to. I worked from home when I wasn't traveling. It was, it was actually pretty nice. And here's this company telling me, well, we want to bring you in at the entry level. We want you to learn Target. Um, we want to learn about you. But if you do well, there's going to be promotional opportunities for you. And so that was the second pivotal kind of like crossroad in my career where I had to make a decision. Do I take a chance on this company that's saying all the right things yeah. or do I stick with what I'm comfortable with and what I've been doing? Right. And so I decided, you know, it actually, the decision came up when I talked to my wife about it and she said, well, where do you see yourself in five years? If you stay here versus if you take a chance on target, where could you be? And that to me kind of 
made the decision for me, right? He's like, okay, I'm going to take a chance. It's a great organization. We spend a lot of money there. Why not get a discount, right? And um, I decided to accept the role with Target. And so I started in a single store. And to this day, I say, had I not started there and done every role leading up to the one that I'm doing now, I don't think I would have had the perspective, the challenges that our teams face out there because I've lived it, right? So as we're talking about strategies and building strategies for the future, I always have that perspective of what it's like in a store, in a district, in a region, and and I can kind of empathize with some of the challenges that our teams face. So, um, you know, so like I started in a single store about a year and a half later, I got promoted and I moved the family up to Minneapolis, where I I was exposed to my first district opportunity here. Did that for about another year and a half. I got promoted to what we call a a group AP director position back in Chicago. So um, fun fact, my son was born in in a hospital in, in the suburbs of Chicago. We moved to Minneapolis. Then we moved back to Chicago. My daughter was born in the same hospital. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, we did that for a few years. And then, uh, you know, Target opened stores in, in Canada. And um, I was promoted to become the senior director in Canada. And I led that operation. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. We closed down. Um, I then went to Philadelphia and I had the whole East Coast, about 500 stores there. And then this role, um, about four and a half years ago, um, I was approached about, you know, taking on the pyramid. And um, so I, I moved the family back to Minneapolis and we've been here for, for about four and a half years. So it's been a great experience. It's been a wild ride. Obviously, the last few years have been challenging, but um, I am forever grateful for that opportunity that Target gave me, even though it wasn't the one I was looking for. Um, it was the exact one that I needed in order to get me um, to appreciate um, kind of that context of, of what our teams deal with. So I, I've been very lucky and, and find myself, you know, very fortunate and humble to be able to lead this amazing team. Yeah, that's a great question, you know, w- that your wife posed when you're considering a move, right? It's it's look and where you think you could be versus where if you took the opportunity where you might be with that new, new uh, company. That's definitely um, a strategic way to look at it. I would say, I think when I was younger, I, I was lacking like the strategy of thinking long-term. So if you're listening out there, that's that's a super great nub- nugget to take away. Um, yeah, I would say, Amber, that like, that is one of the things that I talk to people about when we try to recruit folks that um, may be hung up on title. Um, obviously, pay is a very personal thing, right? So it's you can't fault anybody for wanting to make more money, right? But you do have to take into account the health of that organization, the opportunities that are presented. And just like you, back in the day, it was like, I was moving because I wanted a different part of the country. I wanted more money, like, right? And then when I started a family, it became about how do I lay a foundation and and where is gonna afford me the opportunity to grow? And do I buy into that company's like values and what they're, you know, what, what they're going after and, and, and so it becomes a, a different uh, conversation when you're thinking about long-term versus the here and the now. And so I tell my personal story when people are like, oh no, I'm a regional, you want me to be a, a this or that? And like, yeah, 
I think you'd be a great fit for the organization. Here's what we can offer you to help you get to your finish line, right? But it's, it's, it's definitely something that's difficult to swallow at times. Yeah, and maybe necessary for the candidate to be thinking creatively a bit, right? About, okay, sometimes, and I, I've, I've interviewed lots of executives on here, and it's interesting that, like you're saying, their career isn't always some gradual ascent, right? It is potentially a sidestep, a backstep, which I think a lot of people don't anticipate in their career journey. Yeah, for sure. It's like a sports game, right? You may get behind in the lead. Doesn't mean you're going to lose, right? And so I think, you know, we have to think about our, our journeys in the same way. Like it's very rarely a linear path to your, whatever your finish line or what your goal is, right? Sometimes um, life is going to throw us a curveball, and that's where we learn the most, right? And, and then we're successful because of those moments, right? So I think yeah. it's important to remember. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so looking at... Um, the experience of having, which I love that companies do, right? Because if you're going in there as a, as a store level, it's like, okay, like you said, you did every role that's within that to where you have such major credibility as you're talking in these meetings, you know, people aren't sitting there going, well, what does he know? He's never, yeah. he's never been in the back room. He's never managed this. So talk a little bit about like some of the, um, overall benefits that I think that you may have attained, obtained from that experience that maybe people don't think about when they're, when they're, when they are taking into account a potential move that might be to operations or supply chain or whatever. Yeah. I, I think it's the, um, there's something about being able to connect with some of the daily challenges the fun part of the job that you enjoy being in an environment, you know, with a group of people. Um, so all the roles that I've done, starting with that, like leadership role in a store, leading an AP department, right? Um, as we are talking about um, what does the future of our team look like and what are some of the challenges that they're facing and how do we um, help them address those challenges? For me, I remember what it was like to be a leader in a support role because we are in the support role in LP or AP, right? Um, we have to influence a ton and that's hard to do in an environment where there's so many competing priorities, right? And so as we engage in these conversations on ideas, like, well, maybe the team should take on this responsibility or maybe we need to go in a different direction. I always think back to, well, is that really going to resonate with that store team or with that field team, right? Because field yeah. jobs are sometimes even more challenging because now you're trying to influence multiple leaders across a district or a region or whatever that have various personalities, right? Different yeah. leadership um, experiences. And so it kind of grounds me in the, well, have we talked to our field team? Have we kind of gotten their perspective before we even offer up solutions? How did we come up with these solutions? Or did we talk to people in stores? Did we talk to our hourly team? And like, what are they really struggling with? Before making any recommendations that comes to my desk, that should be part of the equation before we even get there. Because that's always going to be the first question is, who did we talk to? What questions did we ask? And what are we trying to solve for? Well, especially to that process sounds like it then arms you with their language. Oh, for sure. It's the work that we are doing at headquarters has to be representative 
of what they need the most. And at times that can get lost because we have a three to five year strategy. There's a certain direction that we want to go in. And when I say we, I mean from a headquarters standpoint, but as we all know, our business is evolving every day. Our industry is ever changing, especially in the AP world with theft trends and legislation and you know the macro environment, everything happening. And if you only stick to that three to five year plan and it doesn't evolve or change or it's if it's not flexible, then we're kind of just working off of a plan that's not really reflective of what is needed. And so that's why it's important to keep a close pulse in the field, in stores, with our field leaders on what's changing out there that we're not aware of that we need to address. Well, what's cool is hearing that from your level, right? Because I mean, it sounds like to me and, you know, I don't know you that well, but I did my research. So, you know, you think about a leader that is, I don't want to say among the people versus in the ivory tower, right? I mean, it's widely known that you're, you're, you don't just rely on your people to report back, which I think is really important. Talk a little bit about that, you know, being really involved. And, um, you know, I think also provides a level of respect for the role among maybe even your peers in the court. Cause you, you can, you're like, well, when I was talking to them, this is what they said. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about a few things because I have grown in this space. And if I think about when I first got this role, my visits back then, when I went to a store or so a supply chain building, or even when I interacted with my team at headquarters, it was very different back then to what it is now. And I learned along the way. Now, there's, there's a natural kind of where when you take on a new role, you're going to go a little bit deeper, or you should go a little bit deeper, right? To understand how things are working, team's assessment, um, how they're assessing their talent, how they're assessing their business, so that you can kind of level set like, okay, here's how I can help this leader. Here's how I can help that leader. But then as you get more comfortable with your leadership team, you start to scale back, right? So my visits back then would have been a lot of questions about daily routines, like checking in on like, are we doing the things we're supposed to be doing? Like, are we following company policy? All that stuff. My visits today are exclusively, how is my team doing? How are you? Like, if you're an hourly team member that stands at the door, I want to know how you're doing. What are your challenges? What do you enjoy most about your job? What, what's the toughest thing about your job? And then I talk to my leadership team in that store and do the same thing. How are things going? What are your biggest like challenges? Like what's hard about your job? What can I do to help make your life easier? And then my job is to go back to my team here in Minneapolis and say, here's what I'm hearing. Do we have work going on here? Or like, hey, are you guys aware that this is a big you know, opportunity in the field that we need to address? And so it's, it's shifted from almost an auditor to a, a true leader, which is, I want to make sure that my team knows that me, as their pyramid leader, appreciates them for who they are and the work that they do, especially in this environment. I want every single one of my team members to feel appreciated and cared for. And that is my job, right? I have to put leaders in place that like, like share my values and what I stand for, right? And, and that trickles all the way down, but I've got to lead by example. One of the things that I always remember is 
and, and I'm not here to throw any shade at anyone, but like, if I think about how I used to visit and how I visited now, I remember being in a store and getting high profile visits and I was a nervous wreck. And when that visit came, I was even more nervous because of how that visit was conducted. So I remember a long time ago, as I started to kind of um, grow within Target, I was like, I don't ever want to be that person that walks into a store. It, it's going to be natural for people to be nervous if they don't know me. But when I leave, I want them to feel like, oh, that was awesome. That yeah. was great. Right. And so that's kind of like always been my guiding principle. It's like, I am just like them. I'm probably even more flawed than they are. I probably have more issues than they do. I go through my own challenges that they probably are going through as well. So why, why can't I connect with them on a personal level? And whether it's a five-minute conversation or buying them coffee or recognizing them on LinkedIn for the work they do, or like even like just there's little things that we can do as leaders to put people at ease and say like, hey, I just want to hear about you and how you're doing. And like, I've got leaders in place that will take care of the business part. Like, are we doing everything we're supposed to? Are we auditing? Are we doing, you know, like that's for them to do, but their job also as leaders is to do the same as I'm doing is making sure that we take care of that team, right? Because when you take care of your team, they will run through a brick wall for you. They've got to feel appreciated as a person, as a team member, they've got to we got to make sure that they're engaged. And so it's, it's kind of, again, throughout my career, I've grown. I haven't always been that way. You know, I used to say hi real quick, and then I would go walk the store. Well, now I, every single person I'm spending a few minutes with to just check in, right? Well, I think that definitely speaks to your leadership style. Um, and that, that's really one of the things I always like to ask folks in your role um, is, are there, are there, tidbits of leadership things that you live by? I mean, clearly in what you just described is a ton of them, right? But anything else that, you know, you could say, oh, well, I always count on this or, or whatever. And uh, when you're leading your folks. Yeah, I think, you know, what I would tell you is if you ask anybody who knows me and has worked with me or, or for me, it's, there's good and bad in that I wear my heart on my sleeve, right? I'm, I'm, you're never going to guess how I'm feeling, which could be bad, right? But it also could be real good because I, what I appreciate in people is people who are real and because I am real. And with that comes flaws. Um, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes, right? To this day. Um, and that's okay. And so how we respond to people when they make mistakes can be the difference between I'm going to go look for another job or, all right, this leader is really helping me, right? And so one of the things that I value the most is just authenticity, vulnerability, but it's a very hard thing to do. Even for me, um, in the past, um, personal was personal, work was work. Those two were very separate. And I'm not, by no means, do people have to share their personal lives but they have to feel comfortable enough to come to you as a leader if they're struggling with something. Because a lot of times we see people who may be struggling and we automatically go to their performance is bad. We have to put a plan together, right? Not, man, there's something different about this person. I wonder if something's going on. And again, they don't have to share, but 
how do how do we create a culture as leaders to ensure that if they are going through something that they can open up or ask for resources and that they won't be judged in their work life because something's going on personally and i've had my challenges that where i've recognized myself like i'm not showing up my best self right now i need to take a break maybe i need to take a day off maybe i need to take a week off but i've got some stuff i'm dealing with yeah. you know and i feel comfortable enough to talk to my leader about it right yeah. and um and i think those relationships kind of offer up um this opportunity for people to be vulnerable and then when you give them the resources the tools the the, the space to be able to like share or even take the time they need they come back even better right, right? but a lot of times i think we've probably lost people in the past because they're dealing with something you don't talk about that at work, right? I've got to put on a brave face at, at, at work. And um, I think they feel lost, right? And they're trying to do their best job. And, and look, there's people that struggle for non-personal reasons, right? That's a whole different story. But what I'm saying is as a leader, how do we make sure that um, we pay close attention to any red flags or signs where something is different, that if we ask the different questions, we may be able to get them to open up. So that that's one of the, the, the biggest things for me. The other one I would say quickly is um, accountability. When things go wrong in one of our stores, I look in the mirror. And I, you know, I've, there's been times over the last few years where we've made some poor decisions in a store that have impacted our reputation. It's gone viral. And the first thing that I do is like, what of what which of our policies enable that? Or do we have checks and balances in place to catch that early on? If that's, ha- I don't say, what's well, that person? That has nothing to do with me. Like, no, I'm the owner of the pyramid. Like if we go viral, that's on me, right? And so accountability to me is huge. The only way you're gonna get better is if you're open to the feedback, to the recognition, to all of it. But there's gotta be this, this realization that as a leader, you have a large impact on even those three levels below you, four levels below you, or even one level below you, right? Um, And then the last one is, um, it is about building teams, right? And I should have probably started there, but I started with kind of how we lead, but um, there's always been this kind of notion of like people who look over their shoulder, like are somebody gonna get promoted? I want that. I wanna surround myself with the smartest people because I'm not very smart, right? And I want my team to flourish. And if they want to sit in my seat, I will help you with whatever you need to do to make sure that you get there. But sometimes when we have a business gap, we try to attack that business gap and we don't start with people. It always ends up being people, whether it's training, whether it's the wrong talent, whether it's the wrong expectations or we weren't clear with our communication. It always boils down to people. If your shrink is bad, if your theft results are bad, if your security incidents are bad, look at people and and you will find where the issue is. And that's where you got to start. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, I think it's also simply said, but extremely difficult to do, right? Because I think, you know, everybody's so busy and especially in a role like yours. I mean, there are tasks to do, right? And it's, it's interesting that you're that's your approach because a lot of people can say, Hey, Oscar has a job I would strive for, right? The VP at a major company. Um, and you know, 
It's all about the people. You know, you could say you got to be good at data. You got to be in tech. You got to be all those things. But what you're describing is really a people skill um, in being personable, which I think is uh, phenomenal and and a lot of times overlooked. So let's let's get to um, best. We'll do best and worst. Right. Okay. so best career advice you ever received. And then we could do worst or you could pick one. Which one you want to go with first? The best career advice, I would go to a quote that I heard, and um, I've shared it before, and it was somebody within our organization that said, people um, won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And to me, if I think about our role as leaders, as my role as this pyramid head, I could be the greatest speaker I could be what I think is a great motivator, but if they don't feel cared for, engaged, motivated, it doesn't matter what I say, right? So I can come in and put on a show in your store when I visit your market and say all these great things. And then they're being treated like crap by their leaders, or I dismiss them and I don't talk to them. It doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth, right? And so I think that at times, because our business is so, um, you know, we deal with a lot of the bad stuff, right? Or mostly bad stuff is what we deal with. Um, we get caught up in that. And then we forget that our teams are actually dealing with that every single day. And so um, the, the best advice is really just starting from a care perspective. And that's one of our core values at Target, right? Is um, we need to show our, our guests that we care, but our teams, yeah. right? And how do we show them? There's a lot of different ways. It's how we pay them. It's how we treat them. It's how we have developmental conversations. It's how we give them constructive feedback. Um, You know, so it's not all like, you know, all just the good stuff, right? Um, But if we want to help people grow, um, we got to show them that we care. And and again, I'll go back to if you show them that you care, um, they will run through a brick wall for you, right? And you will have greater engagement, retention, um, I will tell you that over the last two and a half years, these, these have been the toughest two and a half years in my career in our industry because of what we face. But I can confidently say that our engagement is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the leaders that we have within our AP teams that are truly starting there and having those one-on-one conversations and checking in frequently and showing them. And, and that's why that's why we have the engagement that we do. We're not perfect, of course, right? Like there's still things that we need to get better at, but it is cool to see that even during difficult times, you can still drive high engagement just in how you take care of your team. Okay. Last question. So worst career advice? Is you know, there anything I you can put your finger on? There, I, I can't pinpoint a single yeah. one. And here's what I would tell you when I was younger and I got feedback that I disagreed with, I would obsess on it and I would make excuses. I think that within every piece of feedback that you get, and I'm talking constructive feedback, there's something that you can learn from it. And so step aside for a moment and get your personal kind of feelings out of the equation and think about what people are saying and saying, well, it's either perception or reality and perception is reality, right? So they may give you feedback about something that you disagree with, 
But if you kind of like think and reflect on it, you're like, eh, I guess I can see where here's what I can do differently. Right. So I don't think about it as bad um, advice or, or anything like that. And, and it's easier said than done. To, yeah, to, you got to take you know, your ego out of it, yeah. which is difficult to do. So hard to do. Yeah. And, and it is a muscle that you have to exercise, right? That's you right. have to slow down. You have to pause and you have to think. And if you do those things, you'll take something out of it. And maybe there's parts of it that actually they aren't value added and it's not true, but there's always going to be something you can learn from it. Well, this is so awesome. No, so no bad career advice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it doesn't look like it with your career, right? Um, look, I really appreciate you spending some time in the Talk LP podcast hot seat, Oscar. Thank you so much. We look forward to having you back. Yeah, thank you so much, Amber. It was fun. I enjoyed awesome. it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. You can always hit us up at Let's Talk LP on Twitter. Thanks. And don't forget to download the Talk LP News app. Late breaking loss prevention headlines. Palm of your hand. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Cause, cause, cause. No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.